When we do something wrong, one of our first defenses might be to make an excuse. Everyone else was doing it, or I was tired when I said that, or things along those lines. When facing the victims of our wrongdoing, these words, well, they fall empty and flat on their ears, as did the words of the man of today's episode. So how do we hold ourselves accountable? Let's find out. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast, where we share the gospel of Jesus Christ through the art form of audio drama. Yes, and that includes sound effects. I'm Timothy Gregory, bringing you the story of a man who made excuses for having an affair. He simply couldn't resist the temptation. When his empty words fell on the ears of his wife, their family began to crumble. But we'll see just who could give his words meaning and allow him to own up to his failings on today's Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast. Also, you'll want to stick around because later we're going to give the rest of you an opportunity to enter yet another sweepstakes drawing for a prize. No, it's not a cash prize, but it is a prize, and I think it's a prize that you are really going to like if we draw your name. But first, let's get to it, folks. The true story of Matt Henderson. You're so quiet this morning, Matt. You're not yourself at all. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Uh, sorry, hon. Important case. Not really. You've hardly touched the food you ordered. What's wrong? There's something I need to tell you, Kay. I'm listening. My secretary is pregnant. And I'm the father. The man in our story was risking his marriage with that confession. This is the story of how he came to that point and how it changed his life. It's the true testimony of Matt Henderson, right now on Unshackled. I was born in Nashville in 1942, but we moved to Washington, D.C. while my dad served in the Navy. After the war, we lived in Syracuse while he got his master's in mechanical engineering. I was in fourth grade when we moved to Huntsville, Alabama, where dad worked at the Redstone Arsenal. Mom stayed at home and cared for us, and my grandparents greatly influenced my life with love and life lessons. Although my parents took us to Sunday school and church, alcohol became a big part of my problem as I partied with friends. I started drinking during my junior year, but graduated in 1960. Well, Matt, are you ready for college? Ready as I'll ever be, Dad. I'm looking forward to it. I know you've been accepted to Vanderbilt, but it'd be less expensive to go to the University of Florida, so I've taken a job in Orlando. You're leaving the arsenal? Mm-hmm. Won't I have to pay out-of-state tuition in Florida? Only for the first year. <laughs> After that, you'll be a resident. Cool. I like Florida. You're good at math, so you should do well in engineering. Everyone assumed I'd be an engineer because Dad was one. But I wasn't good at it and didn't study very hard. I continued my excessive drinking with fraternity brothers. On the verge of flunking out in my junior year, I changed my major to political science and graduated in 1964. Mine was probably the lowest grade point average you can have and still graduate. Congratulations, son. Now what? 
The job or the service? Well, most of my friends are going to graduate school. Your grades aren't good enough for graduate school. No, uh, but I applied to law school, and the University of Florida accepted me. With your grades? Not only that, but I also applied to Vanderbilt Law School, and I've been accepted there, too. Oh, great, but what do you know about law, Matt? Nothing. Have you ever spoken with a lawyer? No, but I've seen programs on TV. I could be a lawyer. My first semester in law school, I studied hard, even staying at school over the Christmas holidays. When grades came out, I was in the lower third of my class. Not very good for all that effort. So I reverted to my old ways, drinking and carousing. 30 days before final exams in the spring, I was running scared. Hey, man, woo, let's party. We're going to the club. Can't, I gotta hit the books. Oh, come on. Is it like you? You're telling me? I haven't cracked a book all semester and I'm in trouble. <laughs> Are you serious? You haven't studied at all? I'm serious. And I don't want to flunk out. So don't bother me for the next 30 days. The bookworm has emerged. It's Matt. <laughs> Man, am I glad that semester is over. Grades are out. Well, how'd you do, Matt? You haven't heard? I ace all my exams, dude. I'm at the top of my class. From that experience, I learned that I would get through law school. And I reverted my old ways again, cramming when necessary, coasting as much as possible. In the fall of 1966, I was in my last year of law school and on top of the world, I was president of the legal fraternity and we held a party at a posh downtown hotel in Nashville. A fellow student introduced me to his date. Kay who? My name is not Kay who. <laughs> it's Kay Coffee. Pleased to meet you, Kay. Are you really king of the world, Matt? No, but I'm president of the student body as well as our legal fraternity. And law review editor. Impressive. Great band, huh? Yes, the best I've heard recently. Uh, are you a student here, Kay? Across the street, at Peabody. I was smitten. Although I'd been drinking, I remembered her name and called Kay the next day for a lunch date. I graduate in June, too. Special education. Lucky kids. I never had a teacher as good-looking as you. With your brains, you are never in special ed. Were you a good student? Never. I'm still not. I just study hard for exams. And yet you're a top student now. I've never been tops at anything, Kay. Not sports, not anything. I think you'll be a great lawyer. I think I'm in love with you. I had no morals. I dated and fell in and out of love many times. But Kay was different. Three weeks after we met in November 1966, we talked about getting married. Six weeks after we met, we set that date. Have you told your parents? Yes. They don't believe me. They don't believe you? No. They don't understand why we're getting married so soon. Mom thinks we have to get married. I hope you assured her that that was not the case. Yes. Even so, they sent my aunt here to try and talk me out of getting married. Really? Why? Who knows? They probably think I'm not ready, but they're wrong. I am. My parents have accepted the news. I like your family. I'm glad I met them during Christmas break. They like you too, Matt. <laughs> Boy, do I have them fooled. 
So January 28th is still the date? Yes, but there's one thing I want to do before we get married, Kay. What's that? Join the Marines. I'm not surprised. You've talked about Vietnam a lot. I feel guilty that so many guys my age are fighting over there while I'm here enjoying the good life. Will you go in as a lawyer? No. I want to go in the infantry. I've always wanted to lead a platoon. In early 1967, the Vietnam War was not yet a political football, even though the casualty rate was already high. Four days before our marriage, I enlisted. Hello? Hi, Dad. Matt, still getting married in a few days? Yes, but that's not why I called. I joined the Marines today, Dad. You enlisted? Yes, in the infantry. You'll end up in Vietnam, son. I hope so. You don't have to go into combat to serve, Matt. I, I had a desk job during World War II. I've always wanted to be a platoon leader, Dad. B but you finished law school in June. You, you could go in as an attorney. I don't want to go in as an attorney. I want to fight. The Marine Corps needs lawyers. I'm sure they do, but they won't get this one. Matt, d don't waste your education. Go in as an officer. Oh, I I'm going through OCS. Scheduled for that in September. What happens during the interval? After we graduate, Kay and I are going to Denver to check out living there when I finish my tour. Most men in your position would try to avoid combat. I'm not most men. Well, <laughs> you can say that again. What does your bride say about this? She supports my decision. Well, your mother will be shocked. You never fail to surprise me, Matt. Kay and I were married, and we both graduated in June. In September 1967, I went through basic training at Quantico, determined to be number one in my class. I was number one in leadership and scholarship, but not in the physical events. Officer candidate school followed, and once again, I was number one, except that I failed to qualify as a rifleman. So I finished third in my class at 240 and went to Vietnam as a second lieutenant. We always seemed to be walking across rice paddies. I mean, they were everywhere, and they had dikes to retain the water, so we were always looking for the next dike so we could get down behind them as cover from bullets. Kay and I wrote letters almost every day. I miss you, honey, more than you know. I told you that the guy who was first in my class was killed, and the guy who was second was seriously wounded and sent home. Been here five and a half months, and already we've been on 12 operations. Guys are killed or wounded almost daily. Devastation is greater than I ever could have imagined. I look forward to holding you in my arms again. Mm. Oh, yes, Matt. Come back home to me, safe and sound. Just a moment. I wonder who it is. Ma'am, I'm with the United States Marine Corps. Are you Mrs. Henderson? Oh, Lord, please, no. Folks, we'll get back to Matt's story in just a moment. But first, I want to share a bit about how our ministry is able to bring hope to people all over the world. Unshackled is now in its 73rd year of spreading the good news through powerful stories about real people. Our success is a result of God's blessing and the involvement of, well, supporters like you. When you contribute to Unshackled, it has a direct impact. Your support allows us to hire quality writers, 
talented actors, as you can hear, a skilled production team, and a devoted staff. Through your support, we're able to share Unshackled worldwide. So, in order to continue the work of spreading the gospel and allowing us to offer this program for free, won't you consider making a donation to Unshackled? It's really quite easy. All you need to do is click on the live link, if there's one where you're listening, or visit our podcast website at unshackledpodcast.org. That's unshackledpodcast.org, and then click the donate button. Or you can always write a check, Unshackled, we take checks. You mail that check to 1458 South Canal Street, Chicago, Illinois, 60607. We thank you for your partnership in our ministry. And now, let's get back to Matt's story. I was wounded in the hip with shrapnel, and the Marine Corps notified my wife. After two weeks in the hospital, I returned to duty. Halfway through my tour, I met Kay in Hawaii for R&R, &R, and then finished my time in Vietnam as a legal officer in camp. When my tour was finished, I flew home where Kay met me. Oh, Matt, it's so good to see you again. I miss you so much, Kay. Come on, let, let's get my bag and get out of here. Baby killer. You show your face. Matt, that guy just spit at you. He's an idiot. Thousands have died for his freedom to spit on me. Come on, let's go. Those war protesters are everywhere. Yeah, I, I don't want to think about them. Where do you go from here? I have orders to go to Southern California. I'm just grateful that you came back to me. It's brutal over there, honey. The guy who replaced me was dead three days later. And the man that took his place was dead two weeks later. Oh, Matt. I'm so glad you're home. I'm afraid we didn't think about God very much in those days, even though he had protected me from certain death so many times. A few months later, our son Josh was born just before I finished my tour of duty in the Marine Corps. We moved to Denver, where I practiced law for a year and a half in hopes of becoming president one day if I played the game right. Then we moved to Spartanburg, South Carolina, halfway between where Kay's parents lived in Virginia and mine lived in Florida. Our daughter was born in 1974. Kay and I had been married seven years when I began having affairs, including one with my secretary. For the next seven years, I was a cheating husband and just one drink away from becoming an alcoholic. Meanwhile, my wife drifted into new age beliefs and I followed her there too. In 1980, my secretary told me I was the father of the baby she carried. When she decided not to abort the baby, I had to tell Kay about it. This was the hottest thing I'd ever done. <laughs> I thought you loved me. I do love you, Kay. How could you do this to us? A lot of men fool around. I guess I couldn't resist the temptation. <laughs> do you want a divorce? No, of course not. What are we gonna do? Don't worry. She's not working for me any longer. I, I got her a job with another firm in a different business. How soon? This summer, sometime. So she's gonna keep the baby? Yes. At first, she was gonna get an abortion. I told her she should do what was best for her. So she changed her mind. For the rest of my life, I'll have to worry about a knock on the door. I'm sorry, honey. Are you gonna help with expenses? Yes, I'll send a monthly support check too. 
I never once expected something like this, Matt. I'm really sorry, Kay. My wife sought answers in her new age philosophy, but found no comfort. Desperate to find peace, she listened to the gospel from Eleanor, our next door neighbor who was wheelchair bound with arthritis. But she had been praying for us for years. Kay became a Christian and I watched her change. What are you doing, honey? Getting rid of these new age books. Well, I thought you were into that stuff. At one time I was, but not anymore. Have you seen our Bible? Not recently. I need it. I'm going to go with Eleanor to a Bible study on Wednesday night. A Bible study? Yes. She helped me understand how much God loves us, in spite of our sins. There's an old-fashioned word. Not to God. It's a word that we need to be familiar with. Our children and I thought Kay had gone off the deep end, but she kept going to Bible study with our neighbor, and she was being fed the truth. Turn to 1 John chapter 4, verse 14. The apostle is talking about Jesus. He says, And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Folks, the Lord is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. We need a Savior because the Bible says, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All. Now that includes you and me and every other person born on this earth. Jesus is the Savior of the world. The Bible says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Amazingly, the prophet Isaiah wrote those words hundreds of years before Jesus was even born, predicting the Messiah who had laid on his life for our sins. He paid the penalty for you on the cross, my friend. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So how was the Bible study? Wonderful. Matt? I'm born again. Well, whatever floats your boat. Please don't be disrespectful. Jesus died for you, too. And he's the one who said, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. That's in the Bible? Certainly. The Gospel of John, chapter 3. Maybe I should read the Bible. And you should ask Jesus to save you, too. I thought I was a Christian. Our family went to church. So did my family. But I didn't know the Lord. Not until I repented of my sins and asked Jesus to save me. And, I, well, I believe in him as my Lord. After my daughter was born, the monthly support check was a constant reminder that sin has consequences. In time, God convicted me of my need for salvation, and I received Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Soon our children also gave their lives to Christ, and God has been working in my heart ever since, bringing change. We continued in church and in Bible study. Soon we found another church where we're still members. The Lord taught us a valuable lesson. That was a good sermon today, wasn't it? Yes. Tithing is a new concept for some Christians. Yes, I know. 
Even though the reference is found in the Old Testament, it has promises for us too. How was your day, Matt? Interesting. Remember Jim, the guy that bought property with us down in the Isle of Palms? Yes, of course. What about him? I saw him at the Y today. He said they have a new baby girl. At their age? I had the same reaction. I told him I didn't know his wife was pregnant. And? He said they adopted a little biracial girl. Biracial? Think of the questions people would ask. That takes courage. I thought it was a little surprising. A week later, Kay went to visit the adopted baby and felt that the Lord wanted us to adopt a special child too. So we did, a little biracial girl. And sure enough, everyone asked questions about her. A year and a half passed and Fletcher, the lawyer who handled the adoption, called. And how's the new baby doing? She's not a baby anymore, Fletcher. Gets into everything. <laughs> yeah, but you're happy with her. Love her to pieces. She fits right in with the family. People ask questions, but who cares? Your son's in college, isn't he? Yes, and Hope is a 10th grader. So it's good having a little Bethany around. I have a client who just gave birth to a biracial girl. The baby was born six weeks premature, and there's no one lined up to adopt her. I wonder if you and Kay would be interested. Boy, I don't know, Fletcher. Kay has some health issues, and we're not getting any younger. See how Kay feels. She's the one who'd mostly take care of her. We prayed and decided that God wanted us to adopt that little girl, Anna Ruth, so we did. Three years passed. Matt here. Matt, I have a client who's going to have a biracial boy tomorrow. We had a couple lined up in Greenville that was going to adopt him, but they changed their minds. You want us to take him? I was hoping. I don't know, Fletcher. I'm over 50 now. Seems kind of late in life to start raising a baby. Think about it. Poor little guy. Doesn't seem right to be born and not have a mom and dad waiting for him. Kay and I prayed about it and, once again, felt that God wanted us to adopt that little boy. So we did, and had three biracial children. Three years passed, it became a joke around our house to say Fletcher called. Kay homeschooled the children and they thrived. Matt, our three adopted children? Well, now they seem like our own. Yes, they do. Do you ever wonder about your other daughter? She would be about 17 now. That's true. Why don't you develop a relationship with her? You know, call her up and find out how she's doing. She's going off to college soon. In fact, her mother wants me to send a support check directly to her. Well, give her a call and encourage her. I didn't want to add to your hurt by getting involved in her life. I've grown during these years, Matt. We're supposed to become more like Jesus, remember? And he tells us to forgive and love others as he loves us. I began to call my daughter, who went off to college, but then dropped out. So Kay urged me to invite her home for a visit. She came and stayed several days. After she was gone, I phoned Kay from work. Yes, she left right after you went to work. So what do you think? Honey, I love her. Thank God. Let's adopt her. Adopt her? Why not? She's already your daughter. It would make it simpler to introduce her. Well, she's willing. That's fine. We adopted my daughter when she was 19 years old. 
Then my wife felt led to adopt a baby with Down syndrome. I didn't think we were up to it at our age, but we applied for a little girl who had severe problems in every category, physical, mental, and emotional. 26 couples applied, and the couple that was chosen changed their mind. So we were selected to adopt a child. Hi, honey. Today, I mapped out the route to the hospital so when we get Selena, we can get there quickly. You never guess what happened today? Don't tell me Fletcher called. No. This time, it was the rescue mission in Spartanburg. She has a woman there with a little white boy, two and a half, and a biracial daughter, about one. The woman's decided she can't raise the children by herself. So she's looking for a family that will take care of both of them. And she wants a Christian family. But Selena is coming, and she'll be a real challenge, Matt. I know, honey. Two more children, plus Selena. I know. We can go and meet the mother and kids, but we won't rush into anything, okay? We arranged to meet the family after church on Sunday at the mission. We hadn't even been there an hour when I saw my wife packing up the kids. So they were the fifth and sixth ones we adopted, and our little Down syndrome girl was the seventh. They all play together. God had a plan for all of these children and for us. I shared my testimony in 40 or 50 churches and now through this program to tell you that no matter what you've done, salvation is available to you if you'll begin the journey by repenting of your sins and believing in the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. He knows what we've done, but Jesus died to give us new life so that our lives could fulfill his purpose. He's an awesome God. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Listening friend, you can begin your walk with God by turning from your sin and asking Christ Jesus to save you. There are no special words. God looks on the heart. If you need help in making this crucial decision, please call 1-888-NEED-HIM. Now, we love hearing from our listeners here on the Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast, so send us your questions and we'll answer them here. It can be something you're curious about or just something you want to share with us. All you have to do is write us at podcast at unshackled.org or call and leave us a message at 312-281-1264. We'd love to hear from you. Now, before we get to our sweepstakes drawing info, I just want to remind you to subscribe or like our Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast. You can even share it or tell a friend. We'd also love for you to review or rate our podcast. And don't forget to check out our other podcasts on this same platform, Unshackled Daily Devotionals and Unshackled in Person. We appreciate your input and involvement in our ministry. And again, please consider supporting us so we can freely offer quality Christian programming to the world. All right, the new prize for this sweepstakes contest is yet another beautiful wooden scripture plaque. The verse on this one is 2 Chronicles 16.9. For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth 
that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. This plaque is gorgeous. It's contrasting chestnut brown outer ring and the light brown inner ring of the bark truly shows the diversity of God's creation. If you'd like a peek at this scripture plaque, you're welcome to visit our podcast website, unshackledpodcast.org, and stop by the audio drama page for a picture. The deadline to enter is September 2nd. And next time... Since the internet has made its way into almost every home today, it's inevitable that people of all ages have been affected by the internet screen times that can lead to unhealthy habits. There it was. The answer I wanted was right in front of me. My computer and the internet. The perfect way to indulge my new obsession. Leslie's screen time and what she saw there would become the greatest challenge of her young life. Home alone, no parents, and a computer. No one knows what kind of stuff you're watching. They think I'm the perfect teen. They don't have a clue about my life. Would she find her way out before it was too late? Leslie, I can't believe you're involved in this filth. There's a lot about me you don't know. Apparently. And what about your Christian witness? You're giving that up too? Find out in Leslie's true story on the next Unshackled. Heard in the true story of Matt Henderson were Stephen Spencer, Dave Kappas, Sherilyn Galemo, and Steve Bayorgin. Original music, Don Badorf. Sound effects, David Pierczynski and Holly Krajewski. Recording engineer, David Pierczynski. Audio engineer, Michael Kahn. Script, Kenitha Gabler. That's it for this week's Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast. So until next time, unless our Lord returns before then, I'm Timothy Gregory, your brother in Christ. <laughs>